Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. I want to read to you the Word of God and I know that you girls in this room and these rooms tonight, you love the Word of God. So indulge me here. So actually, I didn't mention it. Did I mention that? Oh yeah, good job. Okay, I did. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Amen. All right. I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians 13 in the message. And many of you will know and love this. But it says in verse 1, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, except I don't really know what angelic ecstasy is. Maybe it's like we get so close to heaven that we're like, like that, I don't know. But it says, if I speak with human eloquence, angelic ecstasy, but don't have love, but don't love, I am nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. Verse two, if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, which is a wonderful goal if you're a teacher. And if I have faith that says to a mountain jump and it jumps, but I don't love, then I'm nothing. Verse three, if I give everything I own to the poor, so here is justice, the world, hallelujah. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, pretty hectic, but I don't love, I've got a nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Verse four, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head. Verse five, doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Hello? Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Verse seven, love puts up with anything. Hello, again. Love puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. All right, girls, can I give you a little bit of a backstory? All right, um, okay, I kind of maybe shared this with the girls on Thursday, kind of spontaneously. But um, two weeks ago, I woke up, two weeks ago, I woke up having a terrible nightmare about this night. An absolute terrible nightmare. Like it was horrific, all right? So it was Sisterhood United Night. Basically, it was chaotic. Everything was chaotic. Everything was disorganised. It was crazy. And so I was actually panicking. I was literally in the dream, up in the back room. It was 20 minutes to starting time and I was panicking at monumental levels. Has anyone ever panicked at monumental levels? 
all right? Well, I was panicking because I was like, I don't have my message prepared. I am not prepared. And it's like, everyone's like, oh, do you want to get some makeup on? And I'm like, I'm not prepared. I was panicking and having a total freak out inside myself to the point where in my dream, I literally went, where's Christine Kane? I need Christine Kane right now. Like, where is Christine Kane? Now, girls, everyone needs a fall guy. Everyone needs someone in their life, right? So I'm like, where is Christine? You have to find Christine because Christine has to preach. Christine can always preach, right? (laughs) Christine was born preaching. She came out of the womb preaching. She's gonna drop dead preaching. And she's probably still gonna be preaching out of the ground, I know. It was like, we could put on her gravestone. She never stopped preaching. She never shut up. (laughs) She never took a breath. I mean, once I went to this woman's thing with Christine years ago in Sydney, this like fancy kind of secular whatever, I don't know, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, I was quite shy and reserved. Christine at the table didn't shut up. She, and, and, and in the end I was going, Christine, breathe, breathe, breathe. Anyway, amazing. Now girls, listen, I only have those nightmares, my girls know this, I only have those nightmares every now and then. Okay, just every now and then, like across the decades. And they're usually about colour. And usually it's because something quite strategic is going to break in that season, actually. And so I'm having this nightmarish dream and then I suddenly woke up always. I just woke up and then I felt these words in my spirit. And it's remarkable how that can happen, right? It can be, you can be in such a dark place, having a dark dream, a nightmare, because it was a nightmare. It, in, it induced anxiety, fear. I was like tense. I was like panicking. And then suddenly you wake up and it goes from darkness to light. And God is standing there and speaks into your spirit. And I always take note of that because I think, you know, sometimes darkness can play havoc in our mind and, and can assail us. And God is just standing by going, yeah, but when you wake up, I'm gonna speak to His spirit. And so I woke up and I felt these words in my spirit, quite literally. Okay, 101. I felt God say, hey, Bobby, straight away in that dream, after that dream, hey, Bobby, um, I don't call you warrior princess daughter for nothing. And then um, I heard him say, and I haven't called you thus far to curl into a ball, um, grow old and weary, <laughs> and be idle, which is so loving but harsh. <laughs> right? Oh, thanks, Lord. Okay. And then um, straight in my spirit was the third thought um, in context of the flowering of truth I just read to you that has kind of been hovering in my spirit for a period of time. Now, you might be sitting here and thinking, oh my gosh, here she goes again, bringing out of her Bobby Wake Up, one of her Bobby Wake Up Moment sermons. You know, the Bobby Wake Up Moment sermons. You might be thinking that. And um, yeah, I am. But can I remind you, sweethearts of the earth, that um, my, some of my wake up moment sermons have, have been weighty. They have been solid reminders. Like for example, can I just remind us of a moment in Colorado a number of years ago where in January I was feeling anxiety about what was coming up and the responsibility and I woke up and I felt God speak to me in the darkness, 3 a.m. Colorado somewhere. I felt God say, hey, Bobby, do you not know that I wait for you in your future? Do you remember that, girls? Do you not remember? Do you not, do you not know that I wait for you in the future? That I wait in your February and your March and your April and your May? 
that I weighed in your 2017 and your 2018 and your 2019, and that he's still waiting for us in our 2020 and 21. And so that word alone, that wake up moment for me personally, but also for so many girls in that context of colour of those few years back, do you know what, it, it resonated with them and it gave them courage to know that God is with them. Now listen to me, perhaps, perhaps those first two statements that I, I just shared with you, perhaps they were personal. Perhaps they really were. Perhaps the Lord was just speaking to me and saying, Bobby, don't you know, like I don't call you warrior princess daughter for nothing. Now, you've got to know warrior princess daughter is language that birthed and, and conceived colour 20-something years ago. The first year, at the first colour conference, I don't know what we did. I, I don't even know really what we said. But I think God was just testing to see whether we were willing. And then the second year, He pretty much dropped the mandate. He waited first to see if we were gonna be willing and that we were gonna give it a go and keep giving it a go. And then he dropped the mandate. And so, you know, maybe they were personal for me, but what if they weren't? What if there are girls literally in the room tonight or within the sound of my voice around the world and you actually need to hear that also. You need to hear the heart of God and you need to hear an echo of truth from the heart of God to your heart that says the same an echo of truth that speaks to your beating heart or your bleeding heart. Listen, your beating heart or your bleeding heart right now. And I'm pastoral, so I actually care about your bleeding heart. <laughs> it just sounds like swearing, but it's not really, is it? <laughs> I care about it. I think there's three kinds of hearts in the room. We're hopefully beating, hopefully all our hearts are beating. And then there are rejoicing hearts. You're rejoicing because you're in a good place and you're in a happy place and it's wonderful. But then there are bleeding hearts. And so maybe you need to hear that echo of truth. Maybe you need to hear, again, honey, I haven't called you warrior princess daughter for nothing. I haven't done that for nothing. Or honey, I haven't called you to call up, I haven't called you to come this far to curl up into a ball and die. So again, pastoral hat is going on. And I just wanna um, echo what I believe God would say to us tonight, part of what He would say to us tonight. And I wanna say to you, you know, succumbing, succumbing to the weariness of the battle or succumbing to the complexities of the circumstance or succumbing to whatever it is that is dulling your spirit right now. Okay, listen to me, it is succumbing. Everyone say succumbing. Succumbing is not gonna bear any fruit except to rip you off and to sideline sideline you from all that God has for you. You know, in those same waking moments, I also felt the Spirit of God speak to me. And it's like, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit said, let me explain, let me explain again. And you know, when I woke up, to be honest, Brian was still asleep beside me. My sister, Karen, was actually staying in in, um, in our guest room um, a couple of weeks ago. And so I put my dressing gown on and I snuck out onto the balcony because I wanted to write down on, I've got this big art pad. I wanted to write down what the Spirit of God was saying. I didn't wanna forget. I didn't want anyone to talk to me so that I would forget actually what the Spirit of God was saying. So in those moments, I literally felt felt like God was saying, um, I say warrior. I say warrior because it's about the battlefront again. It's in the battlefront wherein we rise up for ourselves, for those that we love, and for others, it's in the battlefront. You know, when life is awesome, rejoicing, bleed, not bleeding hearts, but rejoicing hearts, when life is awesome, <clears throat> when you're sitting, so to speak, metaphorically on a beach and you've got a pina colada, non-alcoholic, of course, 
and, you know, the angels are serenading you, right? You probably don't need to hear the words rise up, but you need to hear the, but the Spirit of God wants to speak those words to you when you're in a tough place. It's in those tough places that you need to rise up. I was telling our Thursday girls recently, I did a series with them and, um, you know, we were in London, literally. Um, I woke up, Brian was already up um, and I kind of felt the Spirit of God say, rise up, honey. It was like an old sermon from a thousand years ago. Rise up, honey. And I actually thought he was just being lovely, like rise up and go to breakfast. How nice will that be? You know, we were staying in Covent Garden at the time for London's um, retreat, etc. And I walk out and I sit down by my husband who's there at breakfast and all hell had broken out, you know, on those, that landscape that's quite pesky for us. But, you know, it's like, and it, it actually knocked the wind out of my sails for a minute. I actually got really quite emotional, actually. And, um, but you know what? Spirit of God has said, hey, rise up, honey. You know, I felt on my balcony, my PJs, um, I felt, you know, the Lord say warrior because it's about the Lord waiting for His women. Again, this is signature bottom line foundational stuff. I'm waiting for the women. You remember that vision all those years ago. I'm waiting for the women. And if you don't know about it, you need to come to colour because we're gonna build, I believe, a beautiful God breath moment out of something to do with that. But you know what? History, the Bible is full of women that He waited for, Jesus waited for. He waited for them. And you know what? They turned up and they engaged, they felt the intimacy of, his, of that relationship with their Saviour King. And you know what? They changed the world. They actually changed the world. I felt Him say, Princess, I know, warrior princess, daughter, it's so geeky sometimes to say that. <laughs> but you know, <clears throat> 20 years on from, from, from us, um, birthing that kind of language. And I'd never really heard anyone else talk like that. There are so many girls who are living in a powerful space and a profound space in what they do in life. I found them say, um, princess, because it's always about the authority that his daughters carry. <clears throat> it's always about princess, warrior princess. It's about the authority we carry in life. And it's authority that is unique. It is redemptive and it is full of agency. And if you don't know what agency means, agency means it's full of action, influence, effect, force, and power. Do you know this world, there's a lot of authority floating around this world. You know, you look at government um, authority, you look at political authority. There's a lot of authority being um, welded, wielded and what have you out there in the world. But you know what, how much of it is redemptive authority? that builds people's lives. You know, I don't wanna be political here because I know I'm talking to the United States right now, but I watch some, some American politics. I, like, I quite like watching the American politi political scene. It intrigues me <coughs> and it makes me pray for you. Amen. <laughs> We're all praying for you and everyone said? Amen, Amen totally. But I, I watch this um, political um, commentator berating another woman. And the issue, forget what the issue was about. It might've been partly deserving, deserving or not. But this political um, commentator was just saying, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. And it made me sad because I'm thinking, wow, it's so easy for that spirit to yield shame. I loved what Pastor Charles Neiman, he's Give Charles a hand. He's actually come to sisterhood tonight. We love that. 
And you are greatly loved around the world in all our locations, right? And other locations where you've ministered, Pastor Charles. But I loved on Sunday morning, he taught from the book of Joel and you were saying how you can, the spirit of recovery with God is so profound that you can get to a space where you can look forward and see no shame. You can look sideways and see no shame and you can look back and there is no shame. I love that. So I felt God speak these words to me and remind us, girls. I felt God say, daughter, daughter, I call you daughter because it's always about the path, the path that delights Him, the path to His throne, you know it, the path to His heart, the path to His knee, where you can sit on His knee as a daughter and converse with Him, a path that is well-trodden, a path that is um, relentless. Are you relentless in your pursuit of God? Do you wanna be relentless? Do you wanna be known in heaven as a girl who is relentless and pushing into the presence of God and pushing into the, the heart of God? A path that is faithful, I believe. A path that I believe separates the girls from the women. And again, old school, sisterhood stuff here. But you know what? There's a difference. And we're all girls, we're all daughters. But you know what? When you lean into maturity and when you choose to grow up and when you allow wisdom to become the landscape of your life, you go from being a mere girl to being a woman of God. And you know, that's not inherent on age. That is not inherent on age. You can be 16 and you can be full on for God and you can be wearing a path to the throne of God and you can have the heart of God and you can have the wisdom of God and you can prophesy and you can speak beautiful things and have the Spirit of God all over you. You are a woman of God. Or are we just gonna be girls who kind of curl up in a ball and go, oh, it's too hard. Not you guys, because you all came out tonight. You are amazing, hallelujah. And then I felt him say, um, daughter, because... Again, it's in the secret place that the flowering of truth takes place. And again, you know, it's where the garden of His church flourishes. Um, it's where the language of back to the garden or let's return to the garden begins to leave its imprint. Ephesians chapter six, if I may, girls. Ephesians six, and you should be familiar with Ephesians six, I would imagine. But um, in Ephesians six, there are... Um, there is one of those prevailing Bible statements, I believe, where it says, in conclusion. The Apostle says, therefore, in conclusion. And then he begins to talk um, and explain the necessity of stance within our lives. And I think they are beautiful verses. And in a moment, I'm gonna put them on the screen for you. But I think they, they speak to the intimacy of a father-daughter relationship within Ephesians 6. I think they speak to the necessity for us to dress up in our warrior wear or our battle wear that will protect us in any terrain. And I think they speak again to the authority within our royal heritage as daughters or sons of the living God. And again, you've heard me at times say, um, encourage us to maybe sleep with our boots on, metaphorically, our spiritual boots on. Two years ago on this night, I did a message called, um, On Your Feet, A Daughter Zion, and said, we need to sleep with our boots on because we never know when the Lord is gonna say, on your feet. Well, I'm changing that. I think we need to sleep with our whole armour on. <laughs> Which, you know, just like boggles the mind that we're gonna go to bed metaphorically with our entire armour on. But you just don't know what you need in life to be covering you, whether you're awake or asleep, speaking naturally or um, metaphorically. But let me read to you Ephesians 6, if I may. 
again in the Amplified, it's beautiful. And so verse um, 10 is speaking, I believe, to the intimacy of a daughter. I added that. That's not actually in the Scripture. I added that in brackets there. But I believe that it is. It says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with Him. So we're speaking about the intimacy of a daughter. God is saying, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through what? Your union with Him. Draw strength from Him. That strength which His boundless might provides. Again, I believe that as we draw strength in that relationship and we cultivate that, we're gonna find all the strength, all the resolve and all the fuel that we need. Because I didn't have a lot of energy this afternoon. Do you know what I did? And I'm not so clever, but do you know what I did? I thought, you know what? I'm gonna go and take communion for you all. I'm gonna go take communion. And Marilyn Skinner texts me to congratulate us about Lola. And then she, and I said, oh, we've got Sisterhood United tonight. And I said, I might need to go and take communion because I'm feeling like I just wanna lie down and go to sleep. And she said, you do that. That will strengthen you, body, soul, and spirit. Beautiful. Verse 11, I believe, speaks to the stance of a warrior. It says, put on God's whole armour, the armour of a heavy armed soldier, which who supplies it? Who supplies it? God supplies it. So that you will be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. We are talking, God's saying, hey, warrior girl, put on the whole armour of God, the armour which God supplies And sometimes when we are struggling, when we are drowning, when we are doing whatever, and we're thinking, I can't do this. But you know what? You can, because there's armour beside you. And the Spirit of God is saying, put on the jolly armour. Like, put it on. So it's inherent on us to do that. Amen, I need to lower my voice. And then verse 12, um, I believe it's speaking to the authority of a princess. It says, for we are not wrestling. We are not wrestling in life with flesh and blood. I mean, what are you wrestling with? Is it natural? Do you need to deal with it in a natural way? Or is it spiritual? We are not wrestling with flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, that's a big word, against the powers, against the master spirits, who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness and heavenly supernatural sphere. Verse 13, I love it. It says, therefore, therefore, there's always a way, therefore put on God's complete armour that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger and having done all that the crisis demands, all that the crisis demands, stand firmly in your place. And again, I, I said it to you, I think that oftentimes, I think in our church, I would hope in our church that Ephesians 6 is familiar territory for all of us. But um, this afternoon I was thinking, yeah, but sometimes we need to wear our armour differently for different battles. And better than just talking about battles, I think sometimes um, every victory in the making needs you and I to wear our armour a little bit differently. I mean, where, where are you feeling the affront? Is it your heart? Is it, is it in your mind? We've got, to, we've got to adjust it and wear it differently for the different battles that we're gonna win. And you know, it's a war and there are many battles within a war. And that's not something to be frightened of. And I say that to myself. We just need to realise that there's gonna be lots of victories and um, the victories are powerful. 
So um, I need to be honest with you girls. This year has been a little bit of a harsh one for me. A little bit of a harsh year. Front end um, <clears throat> was amazing. I, I, I feel like we got, I feel like personally I got through the, the front end of the year with strength and um, grace and it was wonderful. But I'll be honest, the back end has been quite challenging. And you don't need to be concerned. I know you all are suddenly concerned for me, but you're, I'm fine. <laughs> but um, I just want to stand here and testify like my son testified, Joel, testified at the worship conference. And if you never got a chance to see that or if you can somehow find his message, every message was actually spectacular. There was a profound um, discussion about mental health that was so balanced and so wonderful. But Joel brought quite an astounding message on the second night. And he stood there in his own artistic way and you can't even repeat it. But um, honestly, he just stood and he said, hey, but I'm still here. He testified that he was still here and I'm still here and I'm still pressing on and I'm not drawing back and I'm still at my post and I am still standing my ground. And I'm gonna be honest, um, I have drawn breath these past few months, like never before, I've drawn breath. Now here's the deal. Bottom line, I just felt an overwhelming darkness surround me. An overwhelm, like I was enveloped in darkness. But here's the deal, I've drawn breath. You know how funny it is in life? You, we, we host these um, conferences, we theme them in certain ways according to what we feel in God. You know, like wind in her sails, we found wind in her sails, and then the wind gets knocked out of your sails. Or, <laughs> or, you know, it's like, be found in the new. And then everything oppresses you where you can't see past your feet. And you're like, where's the new? I can't, even, I can't even deal with today. You know, it felt like that. So I have drawn breath. I'm testifying to you tonight. That's what testimony is. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. So I'm testifying that I have uh, drawn breath. I have inhaled His goodness. I have drawn on His mercy and His grace. I have never prayed Thy kingdom come more in my life than I have the last few months. I have found Him present, the Lord. I have found Him present, trustworthy. Oh my gosh, words, trustworthy. No, trustworthy, trustworthy. I have found yet another place within the secret place. Isn't that lovely when you find the secret place and then you find there's more places within the secret place? And I've realised again that the cross is no small thing and that He is closer than the breath on our hands. He is nearer than we know. And I'm here at this moment in time, hallelujah, <laughs> praise the Lord, prepared to inhale and exhale to the wondrous end. Because that is actually what, let me go back, Corinthians says, that's what love does. Love puts up with anything. Love trusts always in God, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Amen. So my Jolie, who turned 40 recently, how is that possible? How can my baby be 40 years old? But anyway, we have beautiful songs in this church, beautiful, beautiful songs in this church. We're so spoilt. And the new Awake album is spectacular, right? Do you not agree around the world? Totally. And there's a song that I personally love and it's called Bright as the Sun. And I'm just gonna read the lyric to you because sometimes we just sing the lyric 
And sometimes we just need to stop and listen to the lyric. And according, if I have it correctly, I could have it wrong, but I think Joel said when he spoke that message, he said he wrote this song two years ago in um, the back bedroom of Pastor Gary and Kathy Clark in London when he felt like he had lost his passion and his focus and his purpose. So we're going to spend some time with Gary and Kath. And these are the lyrics. It says, um, Oh, how sweet did you gaze on my perilous heart to befriend me to my bitter end and carry the burden. For a graven, my, actually, can we just stop there? To befriend, to befriend my bitter end and carry the burden. To befriend my bitter end to befriend my bitter end and carry the burden. That is no small lyric. That is revelation. For as graven my failure, you prevailed in pure love to be found in the depths of your heart as good as forgiven. Oh, how you graced that cross where Jesus died and death took the loss. Wild as the floodgates of heaven flung wide open within his scars. Now mine is the life you raised. What a testimony that is. Mine is the life you raised. Yours, yours the glory that took down that grave. Bright as the sun, almighty in love. God, forever your kingdom come. Oh, how sweet is the sound of a heart drenched in grace. Rising up from the ashes and praise alive to your greatness. Hope as brazen as mercy through the terrible night. How you blaze through the darkness, I fight bright as the morning. And then my heart burns wild in my chest. In awe of your heart and all that you are. Let your praise run wild in my chest or my breath. In awe of your heart, I'll sing it again. Till my heart beats out of my chest, I'll sing of your love in awe of your heart. Till your praise is all I have left, I'll sing of your love again and again. Isn't it beautiful? Do you know all the songs are of that calibre? And I wanna challenge us as Hillsong Church. Hey, don't you ever just sing them blindly or mindlessly. <laughs> Seriously, because I said this at worship conference, so many of the songs of our house are battlefront songs and they are sung and they are brought from heaven to bring freedom to people. Amen. I love it. And you know, sometimes this word love, you know, sometimes we see love, Corinthians, I just read it to you. Sometimes we see love as the verb with which we live our lives. And that is correct. We should love others. We should love with an outward focus. But you know what? Without our own personal hearts, knowing how personal and how powerful His love is, we are, as it says in Corinthians, as nothing. We have to discover that for ourselves, girls. And I guess I'm here to champion all of us, all of us, to hunger and thirst to know that love in such a personal and a profound way. I wanna say to you that He is present for you. He was present for me and He is present for you. He is caring for you. Your mess does not perplex Him or disturb Him or deter Him. And the love of God and the person of Jesus Christ will walk into any room. 
He'll walk into any room where you are. He will walk into palace and prison alike. And His love is perfect, amen? It's perfect. You know, He fixed everything on the cross. And that is no small thing for me to say. There is nothing beyond His cross. There is nothing that the cross cannot fix. In Jesus' Name. So, sweet warrior princess daughter, my time is vanishing. I wanna encourage you to smile at the future. Proverbs 31. I want you to remember um, Isaiah 49. Can I read it to you? Isaiah 49, it says, I have indelibly imprinted or tattooed a picture of you on the palm of each of my hands, says God. O Zion, your walls are continually before me. Verse 25 says, For I will contend with him who contends with you, and I will give safety to your children and ease. Verse 26, And I will make those who oppress you consume themselves in mutually destructive wars. They will implode upon themselves if you keep your eyes on Jesus. And all flesh will know with a knowledge grounded in personal experience that I, the Lord, am your Saviour, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Isn't that awesome? Give Him a hand. I want you girls to remember, I want you to remember His compassionate nature. His compassionate nature. First Corinthians 10 says, but God is faithful to His Word and His compassionate nature and He can be trusted, hallelujah, not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond, beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. But with the temptation, will always, everyone say always, He will always provide the way out the means of escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. The Word is so good. And if you're in here tonight and you're in a space, a place of leadership or responsibility, where in the front line requires of you what you think that you cannot deliver. Did that make sense? If you're in a place and you think this is requiring of me what I cannot deliver. I wanna remind you of Habakkuk 3 and I wanna challenge you to make it your mantra, okay? It literally says, verse 19, the Lord God is my strength. The Lord God is my personal bravery, my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and listen, make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering and responsibility. And I wanna pause here and just say something. Do you know in life, leaders of any description, you're listening on through the screens, you know, sometimes when you're in leadership or just in life, sometimes the high places of trouble, suffering or responsibility are in order, simply in order, that you can shout a greater victory song to others. You go through tough times. You know, I, if I could just take Joel for an example, the boy has been through some dark places. It kind of comes with the territory, but what comes out of it? A victory song. And that would be true of many of our songwriters and our preachers who bring the Word of God, not from just some shallow place. No, they bring the Word of God with conviction and with power and with anointing because they've been in a place of either trouble or suffering or responsibility that has birthed something greater out of them. And then they stand up there like I'm trying to do tonight and say, hey, by the grace of God, 
The victory song is loud and it is clear and it is wondrous, amen? Hallelujah, all right. Oh, I'm going dizzy up here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, I wanted to bring that to you because that's what I felt to bring you. And then the third thing, notice I didn't have point one, point two, but they were in there. The third thing, the third thing, and we're gonna have a change of screen. And um, I want to just encourage us and exhort us um, that he takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, quite literally. And so I'm gonna give you a list, a fast list, one to 10. Can I do it? It's gonna go up on the screen. So 10 things that I believe the flowering of truth will deliver into your life. And you know what, I could have saved this for colour, I could have saved it for another time, but I'm just gonna give it to you, all right? Number one, the flowering of truth. The flowering of truth is what distinguishes you and this age from every other age, quite literally. It distinguishes you and this age because never before has there been such truth revealed and accessible. And truth is available to anyone who hungers and seeks and thirsts after it. Amen? So number one, the flowering of truth will do that. Number two, the flowering of truth needs a living garden to flourish in. It needs a living garden to flourish in. Truth needs a garden to flourish in. Okay, you and I are the soil. Your life is the soil. My life is the soil. The church of Jesus Christ is the garden. And I honestly believe that the Spirit of God, God looked down from before time and saw you and I as part of the great host of men and women on the earth who are gonna carry and champion His truth. Amen? Psalm 68, 11 says... The Lord gives the word of power, I'll help you. And the women who bear it, carry it, publish it are what? That's pathetic. They are a great host. Your homework is to go home and read my books. <laughs> I'm only kidding, all right. Number three, the flowering of truth or the overcoming nature of truth can push through and flower in the harshest of terrain. <clears throat> it honestly can. Now listen to me. Remember um, the Eden moonscape verse from Isaiah 51 that was on the front end of the invitation video. If you can't remember it, go back and watch it. We need to remember people like Joseph of old, Joseph of you know, many coloured coat fame. Okay, destiny took him captive. Destiny pushed him into a landscape that was dry, arid, godless, Egypt. But you know what? Truth prevailed and truth left its mark. So I believe that the overcoming nature of truth within us can push through and flower in the harshest of terrain. Number six, the flowering of truth. Number four, that's what I said. Spirit of Brian came over me, what the heck? Okay, <laughs> number four, <laughs> praise the Lord. That's what it says, four, but I haven't got my glasses on. <laughs> um, I believe that the flowering of truth will find Eden in your chaos. And this is something that I've been doing with the girls um, at Sisterhood on a Thursday. I've done four um, messages on called Save and Sound. But I really believe that we can find Eden. By the grace of God, with the Spirit of God, you can find Eden in your chaos. And when I preached that on a Thursday, someone I love was watching online and they said, they text me after and they said, I'm gonna find Eden in this chaos. And it's a loaded statement, it's beautiful. Okay, number five, everyone say five. <laughs> Okay, I believe that the flowering of truth is within the DNA of us as women. It is within our DNA. Eve's name, it's like testing you here tonight, girls. Eve, what does her name mean? Good girls over here. 
means life spring. It's in our DNA. Listen, life begets life. Beauty begets beauty. Honestly, listen to me, Eve unmasked. Eve uncontained, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Eve unmasked reminds people of home. And when beauty begins to beget beauty in our lives, okay, in our lives, do you know what? It will always point people eventually to the Creator. Do you believe that? Okay, what are we up to? Number six, I write down the flowering of truth will again keep you safe and sound in the days that are ahead. Why? Because truth, truth is the only thing that is gonna protect us going forward. You gotta get your armour on. You gotta get your, the armour that your loins girt about with truth. You gotta get your truth on. You gotta get your convictions on, okay? All around the world. Number seven, I believe that the flowering of truth is content with an audience of one. Oh yeah, it is. Do you know, there are some flowers that only bloom at night. There are some flowers that bloom very um, irregularly. There are some flowers, there is a flower apparently that only blooms every hundred years and then for a moment. And it makes me wonder, but for a moment, and who would that have been for? Maybe God just scattered some seed and said, do you know what, this one can just bloom for me. I'm the only one who's gonna see this. We're in the desert where no one beholds the beautiful flowers of the desert terrain. Maybe that's just for the Creator. And the reason I'm saying that is that I think there is a lot of truth, a lot of truth today that, um, that, needs, to, that does, needs to and makes its way to main stage. There's a lot of truth that needs to be shouted from the rooftops. But I also think there is some truth that is very personal and it will only ever be between you and Jesus. It will only ever be for you and Jesus. And um, I say this carefully, but it's like maybe some aspects of your past or your failings, they're never gonna be, they're never, I don't believe the Father would want them necessarily to be the domain of everybody. Your truth comes when you maybe stand in front of that mirror and you declare the truth of who He says over you. And sometimes that might be enough. Do you understand what I'm saying? I um, listened to an interview of a woman, I hope I'm getting this correct, I need to, I really should have researched better. But anyway, I saw an interview with this woman, um, a beautiful African-American woman, who was the original, um, f- the original person who came up with the Me Too hashtag before the movement got hold of it. And all I know is I watched an interview with her here in Australia and um, she was so, all I saw of her was grace. There was a different spirit about her and they were inquiring to the origin of this Me Too. And she said, "Um, yeah, but this is one thing she said and it kind of floored those who were interviewing her. They were kind of a little bit speechless. She literally said that. She said, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be told to the whole world. You're coming out and saying me too doesn't necessarily have to go into a combative, horrible landscape. It's enough for you to stand before that mirror and speak truth over your life. It's enough for you to write it in a journal and speak truth. And I just remember, I just sat there listening and I thought, wow, that's actually quite profound. Would you agree, Margaret? 
Yeah, because the pressure is like, put it out there and let everybody crucify everybody. It's an angry spirit and it doesn't make an injustice right. It is still very wrong and needs to be dealt with. But do you hear what I'm saying? There might be some things in your personal life that are a failure and you know they're a failure and they haunt you. Let your truth, let, let your flowering of truth be before your Saviour King in that secret place, okay? I hover there and I hope I gave the right spirit. Number eight, really quickly, literally a heading is, I believe the flowering of truth is the devil's or the enemy's worst nightmare because his plan is captivity of soul and God's plan is freedom of soul. Number nine, the flowering of truth will evoke the beauty of a rising and magnificent church. Totally, you and I get to play a part in that. And then number 10, I believe the flowering of truth for us begins with Passover, with literally a revelation that Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God, is able to heal every broken heart, every brokenness, and Jesus Christ is able to save that which is lost and redeem what has been whatever. We have an incredible God in Jesus' Name, Amen. So 10 things the flowering of truth will do in your life. And then a reminder that you know what? He hasn't called us warrior, princess, daughter for nothing. Amen. And He hasn't called us to curl up into any kind of ball and go, I'm too old, I'm too weary, I'm too tired. He hasn't called us to idleness. And again, He has called us to this flowering of truth. Amen. Okay, there endeth my lesson for tonight. Can I pray for you? Do you know, there's every likelihood that there are girls in the room. Let's just be still for one moment. There's every likelihood that there's girls in the room tonight. And, you know, I've kind of been talking about Jesus. We've been speaking or singing about this amazing God in heaven. And you're a little bit confused by the whole idea. And I just want to calm your spirit. Amen. And I just want to tell you personally that there's a God in heaven who loves you so very, very much. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't judge you. He adores you. So much so. It's a mystery of life. It's a mystery of eternity that um, the Son of God, that the Father in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that the Father would send the Son, His only begotten, perfect, sinless, perfect, flawless Son to actually pay the price for our lives and to redeem us back. And again, it's a mystery. and You don't have to fully understand it except you need to follow your heart. And so I don't know if there's girls in the room tonight and you feel distant, you feel removed, you feel um, <clears throat> unloved, you don't feel peace, you don't have a relationship with God like you perhaps see in, in us and something yearns for more in you. I'm gonna ask everyone to close your eyes and all our locations actually around Australia. Amen, if you've stayed with me thus far. I'm gonna ask everyone just to close your eyes and just consider your own heart, your own relationship with God and your desire for more. Like, do you desire more? Is there something missing in your life? And if there is, then that's not an uncommon feeling because we were actually created for God. We were created for this beautiful Creator and um, for relationship with Him. And so again, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came and He said, I am come not to condemn you. I'm come that you might have life and life in abundance. The promise of Scripture is that you would have a future and a hope, not only in this world, but in the world to come, eternity. 
So if you want to pray a prayer with me tonight, we would love to just pray with you and help you come into a relationship with the living God. His name is Jesus. He is the Saviour of the world, Redeemer, Prince of Peace. He's beautiful. His name is Jesus. So if you wanna pray this prayer, you pray with all of us together and God will hear your heart, amen? So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You that I am in this place tonight, that I have heard Your Word and the truth of who You are. So tonight, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to You and I ask You to come into my life and become Lord and Saviour. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my independence, of living life my own way. I open my heart to You. I receive of Your love, of Your forgiveness, of Your kindness, Your grace, Your mercy. I believe that You are Lord of my life, my Saviour, and I have a bright future in You. So thank You, Father. Thank You, Lord Jesus. And thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well done. Well done. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.